You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 941 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening, and I am recording uh, and dropping the podcast earlier than expected because of the big news of the day with Lloyd Pierce being fired by the Hawks. They released him from his duties earlier this afternoon on this Monday, March 1st. And uh, I, as I said on Twitter, I actually had already pre-recorded a mailback episode to drop today. This is a busy day for me, a busy night for me. So uh, my apologies on the slight delay of the podcast drop and also probably the relatively brief nature of this uh, of this podcast. And in the coming days, I'll have plenty of time to discuss all the fallout here. And we'll definitely do some of that on this podcast today. But I have mailbag. And honestly, I'm going to use a couple questions that I was asked later on in the show because they still apply and they're more basketball related, not necessarily related to Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan. But uh, interesting stuff, obviously, here. And uh, obviously, this is big news in Hawksland. What I said earlier in my Locked On Now video and on Twitter is I'm not, I'm not terribly surprised by this. I don't think anybody should be. Uh, obviously, it was pretty clear Lloyd Pierce was on the hot seat to some degree. He was in the lamb duck session of his uh, of his tenure as well because he was not under contract beyond this season. The, the team had a, cl- had a club option on him. So with no extension and the way the Hawks were struggling, um, as much as I have defended some things that Lloyd has done, and I think people have gone a little bit too far on uh, some of the criticism, you know, it's not like I'm crazy and I was unaware that he was on the hot seat he obviously was and uh, by this decision and when it happened it's pretty interesting that it was before the all-star break but actually two games before the all-star break I thought honestly that it was uh, not likely but at least possible they could fire him during the during the break because it's a good time to reset you have the full week and all that stuff but they did it a little bit earlier than that and I wasn't sure they were going to do this honestly quite I mean, that's just me being completely candid here but uh, we'll go through the nuts and bolts of what transpired first, and I'll share more of my opinion on it all later on and some interesting basketball stuff at the end of the podcast. So, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, first reporter of the news. Uh, I was driving, which was not ideal for me at that point in time, but uh, he broke the news first. And then within a matter of moments, the Hawks announced at 4.43 p.m. Eastern time that they had relieved Lloyd of his duties. That's the way they described um, That's the way they described the uh decision uh, again relieved of head coaching duties was the way they said it and it was announced by Travis Schlink in that announcement and I'm going to read the quote to you here from Travis that he put in the release quote we'd like to thank Lloyd and his for his work and the commitments to not only the Hawks organization but the city of Atlanta he and his wife Melissa are tremendous people who have made a positive impact throughout the city we have high expectations for our team on the court and we believe by making this change now we have we can have a strong second half of the season end quote so a fairly standard uh you know Relatively nice, but also, um, you know, they think about the performance on the core, all that stuff. Pretty standard quote for a uh, for a firing, basically. Um, and again, it got interesting from there because you know, on top of the obvious fallout that was going to be happening for when, when you fire a coach midseason, there was some drama, uh, at least for a couple hours, with regard to who was going to step in for Lloyd Pierce. Uh, originally, Woj reported that the Hawks were, quote, hopeful, end quote, that Nate McMillan would be the interim. And obviously that's been the assumption included by me for a long time. If they moved on from Pierce this season, it was going to be McMillan. He obviously coached the team when Lloyd came back to Atlanta for the birth of his second child. Uh, But it was not announced by the Hawks in the release, which I thought was notable at the time. And then Woj described McMillan as, quote, fiercely loyal, end quote, to Pierce. And uh, Zach Klein of WSB-TV in Atlanta had a similar report to that end about uh, Nate being loyal to Lloyd. Uh, But about two hours later or so, uh, you know, in the six o'clock hour, 
of on Monday night. Woj reported that McMillan had accepted the interim job. Uh, no announcement as of now from the Hawks. I'm recording about 7.30, so nothing official at this point in time. Uh, but Pierce, um, you know, was supportive, apparently, according to Woj, of McMillan doing so and stepping in. So no drama there at this point in time. McMill- McMillan obviously has a long track record of, uh, of moderate success at the NBA level. He's above 500 for his career as a uh, head coach in 16 seasons with Seattle, Portland, and most recently in Indiana, and the Pacers part ways with him after last season before he came to Atlanta, but uh, Nate is well regarded. He's not necessarily seen as like an absolutely elite coach on that Spolstra, you know, Popovich, Nick Nurse level, but McMillan did a pretty good job um, in three different stops. He's known for his defense. He's known for kind of being more of an old school guy, to be sure, but uh, interesting, uh, you know, transition here as a result of that. But again, nothing official, but that's the reporting. And I obviously trust Woj to uh, set the stage for all of that stuff. So that's the nuts and bolts as of, uh, you know, the Hawks play two games on Tuesday and Wednesday. So uh, it helps to have someone on the staff taking over. So no overhaul needed and they can sort of regroup through the all-star break. But uh, interesting stuff. Quite obviously, we'll get into my own analysis, and my own thoughts on this, as well as some basketball stuff momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. And the first of which is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the, over the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism, and honestly, you should use it because I use it, and uh, you absolutely should too to be relaxed and help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, Yannick Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at rockauto.com. With more makes and models than ever, it's now impossible to stock all the auto parts that you need in your traditional chain storefront. Why would you endure questioning from a counter person that's often totally pointless, especially when they were only going to give you the parts or the brands that the warehouse happens to carry? Instead, you have rockauto.com, either at home or in your pocket, and that is the best possible option. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always super low and the same for pros and do-yourselfers, so why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, now the more interesting part of this, and uh, you know, I'll sort of address the broad strokes, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Um, there was a report from Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, who spoke to a Hawks player that is unnamed in his report, um, that told him that he found out on Twitter about the news, and there was not a heads up to the team before the announcement that Pierce was moved on from. And uh, that is interesting on its own. 
And then you combine with the fact that Lloyd Pierce coached practice today for the Hawks. Uh, they had an afternoon practice in Miami. Obviously, they were staying in Miami after playing there on Sunday and then again on Tuesday. So they had a pretty normal practice, and Pierce spoke to the media on on Monday afternoon. So that is very, very interesting. I'm not sure what to take from it. Uh, I know one thing that I'm fairly confident, I'm not reporting this, but it would surprise me if this was the plan. So if, if, if you just think logically on this, uh, if you were planning to fire Lloyd Pierce, why would you let him coach practice on Monday afternoon? Um, and I say that, I say that sort of a broad you between, you know, obviously the two parties involved here are Travis Schlank, who is uh, his direct supervisor, and then the ownership group led by Tony Ressler. Um, so something somewhere in there changed, or they just didn't think about it long enough and suddenly had an epiphany on Monday afternoon. It could, it could be that, but, uh, you know, organizationally, it doesn't make a ton of sense to lose the game, albeit frustratingly, obviously, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast on Sunday night, and then you wake up in Miami, you don't travel, uh, so that's not really an excuse. Uh, you let Lloyd run practice and then let him speak to the media in very normal fashion, and then you fire, fire him two, about two hours later. That doesn't really make sense. So I'm not sure what the plan was or what happened, where the breakdown was, or if something happened, or if ownership stepped in. Uh, people were asking me sort of my thoughts on that. You know, it does, That's kind of my only thought, is that I, I very seriously doubt that that was a calculated decision, because if you were going to do that, you could have fired Lloyd this morning and had Nate actually have a practice or had someone run a practice that was not uh, including Lloyd on Monday afternoon. And, you know, the team notification thing is interesting as well. Uh, it's not great for a player, if it's just only one, but if it, was, if it was a lot of the players to find out on Twitter is not good. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, is that the biggest deal in the world? No, but you know, just these are, these people are all adults and uh, you know, not informing them of Pierce being fired before it was out on Twitter is not what you would say is what you want. So that's one thing. Um, then <laughs> people pointed that this out to me. I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist here, but it's interesting. Nonetheless, the Hawks announced, as I said, at 4.43 PM that they moved on from Pierce. 17 minutes later at 5 PM Eastern time, they announced that Bogdanovich was upgraded to questionable. Uh, he's been out since January the 9th. So that, uh, was met with obviously some positivity because it's a good news for the Hawks that Bogdanovich is going to be coming back pretty soon. But it's interesting that that was less than a half hour after they moved on from Pierce. I will say this, the Hawks always announce their injury report at 5 p.m. The, the day before if they're in the Eastern time zone. So that's not a surprise in terms of the timing. But the fact that Bogdanovich was almost getting ready to come back, uh, ask, people ask some questions about that to me, both on and offline about like, you know, was this basically just... Uh, were they worried that Lloyd might win the next two games? It'd be harder to fire him. Uh, that that it does make sense in my brain. I have no idea though. I'm not reporting that. I'm just it's uh, people were asking is all I'll say about that. But uh, that's good news. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast about Bogdanovich. But you know, my overall thing is you know obviously I've been seen as pro Pierce, and I think that's probably accurate to some extent. I think it's very much overblown. My general, if you're a new listener or not a frequent listener, I'll just say this is that my general thought process going into the last several weeks when the fan base was turning more and more against Pierce is that I, I just, my general take was that I thought Pierce was getting too much heat and I still stand by that. Um, I have pointed out, including several times in the last few weeks, including a lot yesterday and earlier in the, I, I don't think Lloyd Pierce is proven to be an awesome NBA head coach. So by any means, like this is not a move that bothers me in terms of, the if if they decide they don't want they, they they don't want Lloyd Pierce long term it makes sense to move on and that's totally fine I have no issue with that like I'm not like viscerally upset that they decided to fire Lloyd Pierce uh, I think Pierce is was not given the best chance to succeed as a head coach uh, the first two seasons like 
it's pretty much undeniable they had not enough talent to win. And then this year, obviously, they invested a lot, but the, resort, the returns on those investments have not been very good. Tons of injuries. I can see both sides. I think that the fan base, uh, especially, and some of the stuff that I was hearing was just kind of a little bit over the line um, on their analysis of Pierce to where like a lot of it seemed, and probably this is anecdotal and maybe I'm reading too much into it, that they kind of put a lot of it on Pierce. And that's fine. I don't think Pierce is great. I really don't. So uh, I think that there is nuance and, you know, Twitter is not a place for nuance. Uh, most sports conversations are not places for nuance. And I, I totally get that as well. And uh, I'm, I'm totally, I'm not bothered by the Hawks moving on from Lloyd Pierce. Nate McMillan might be better than Lloyd Pierce. That's very much, in the cards. Um, it might, he may not be, I, but I think we know a lot more about Nate McMillan than we did about Lloyd Pierce as a head coach, even now. McMillan was the head coach for a decade and a half. Lloyd was the head coach for two and a half years and didn't have a roster that was complete the entire time he was the head coach. So this might be an upgrade. I have, I really don't know at this point. I think I know about McMillan. I think he's a solid coach that's not necessarily a, a top tier one. Um, and he's still the interim at this moment in time. So keep all that in mind. But my general thought was, and still is, that Pierce... Uh, was the, the hate on Pierce was a little bit going too far in terms of uh, the disdain that some had for him. And there was some celebrating on Twitter, like some pretty nasty stuff being said. And I don't I don't condone that. I, I think it's totally fine that people are pleased that he's uh, not the head coach if they thought that he shouldn't be, uh, just you know directionally. But there's a way to do that. And there was some vitriol that I didn't necessarily appreciate. But it's one of those things where... Uh, this is the nature. This something I've said before on the podcast multiple times. I said it on a podcast that I did. Uh, I was a guest on earlier this week and last week. This is the NBA, and this is something that I've talked about a lot with people online and offline in the last few months. Um, what happens in the NBA a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, is especially if you have a first head, first time head coach, um, you have they're the first person to take the fall in whatever circumstance. And even if you wanted Pierce fired, you could probably acknowledge that that does make sense. Like, you know, my, my stance has been, it's kind of a mix of everyone. I think the front office did not do a great job in the, uh, in the time, the last few years, other than the draft, they did a pretty good job in the draft. Obviously they've they've nailed a lot of draft picks, but the non-draft stuff was not been, it's not been great. The uh, execution late in games goes on Pierce on some level. It also goes on the players on some level. And what's that mix? It's hard to tell. It's In fact, it's impossible to tell from the outside. Uh, so all that stuff, uh, I think nuance is, is key. But at the end of the day, Lloyd Pierce being fired at 14 and 20 in year three after not winning the first two years is just a very normal NBA result. You can say it doesn't, uh, that it shouldn't be that way. You can say that it should be that way. Um, and by the way, as I'm recording this, I just got the email that the Hawks did announce Nate McMillan as the interim head coach. Uh, no surprise there, but since we uh, are live and recording in emergency fashion, um, no quote or anything like that from Schlank. They've just announced that he was named the interim head coach. At any rate, um, back to what I was saying. It's, uh, I think long-term we'll see if McMillan ends up being the guy. He's the interim right now. Interims are not often kept. It's possible. Obviously, McMillan is a very, I would say, almost overqualified interim head coach. Most of the time, if it's an interim guy, it's someone who's not been a head coach very very long or very often or, um, you know, and isn't quite on the level of McMillan. So that's an interesting dynamic here. Do I think he's going to fix everything? No. But I think also the Hawks are about to get healthier, you would hope, knock on wood, with Bogdanovich and all that stuff. So uh, he'll be in a position to potentially win. But at the end of the day, my thought on this is uh, I think Lloyd Pierce uh, is – 
still a question mark as a head coach, quite honestly. Uh, you know, there were things that I, that I picked apart a lot in the last few weeks, months, uh, like his challenges and some of the adjustments that he was uh, not making at times, or his rotations were not always at, always beloved by a lot of people, and I had questions of my own. But I would call that sort of an incomplete on what he actually is as a head coach. I will say, and this is not, you know, I've, got, I've seen a lot of people talk about, like, you know, he's great guy, bad coach. And that's, look, that's possible. I'm not going to tell you that I, that I know Lloyd Pierce is a great coach. I, or that I know he's a great guy, honestly. I think what, what we've seen publicly is a good indication of that. And I do want to just say, and something that Travis alluded to in his statement, you know, Lloyd Pierce has had a great impact on the city of Atlanta. And I don't focus a lot on that on this podcast. This is a very, you know, basketball nerd uh, sort of, you know, game by game, analytic driven, uh, you know, transactions, all that kind of stuff podcast. And that's kind of where I'm comfortable. But I will say unequivocally that Lloyd Pierce uh, has been fantastic in the community. He's made a lot of uh, a lot of difference, and you've seen this is not always indicative because you know coaches like to support coaches. But there's basically been an outpouring from all of the head coaches that have been interviewed tonight on Monday about Pierce's firing, and that everyone's supporting him. And that's that's kind of what happened. So I'm not going to put too much weight on that. But I, I think he is very, very, very well regarded uh, as a person, and as a um, you know as a locker room person, and as a off-court person and the way that he has led uh, throughout this time. So that's worth noting and lauding. And, you know, I wish him the best. We're not like friends. We don't socialize. Uh, there's been this theory that I, you know, will go to the Matt Foley Pearson and I won't. And this is, you know, we're not like long-term buddies. I just, uh, you know, thought candidly that he was uh, criticized a little bit too often and a little bit too harshly at times. There was still time, still room for criticism. That is still the case today. And honestly, there's a very good argument that potentially the Hawks are better long-term and maybe they, they should start a head coaching search and uh, having a lame duck as well is not what you want. As I said before, the, Pierce was not signed beyond the season as a head coach. The Hawks had a club option on him, but normally you want to have a long-term head coaching plan. And if the plan was to move on from him at the, after the season, kind of no matter what, doing it now is, you know, makes it a little bit easier, I guess, to transition. However you want to say that. At the end of the day, uh, I'm not bothered by this. I'm not rejoicing in it either. I think Millen will do a pretty solid job because he's a pretty solid head coach. And uh, yeah, We'll probably talk more about this in the, in the future, but uh, there's, I guess there's a notion out there that I'm like furious. and I'm, I'm not. It's just, this is what happens. I saw it coming a mile away. I think a lot of people did around the league and, you know, you know, talking to people in and out of the Hawks organization um, across the league from scouts to, you know, front office people to other writers and the writing was on the wall. That was kind of out there um, for a while now, quite frankly that Pierce was going to have to like save his job more than lose it. If that makes sense. Like it was almost like it was playing out the string and I, I can't confirm that, but that was definitely in the water for a while now. And uh, there you go on that. It's uh, kind of the nature of the beast in the NBA. And we'll have one more segment coming momentarily. Cause I, again, I had some mailbag questions that I got that are not Pierce related, but they do have to do with the future of this team with regard to the rest of the season. So it's actually kind of a weird time to answer them, but because I already have them sort of, answered in my brain and had some notes on this it still factors in so after a break to hear from our sponsors we will get into all that but first a word from betonline.ag football may be over but the nba college basketball the nhl and many more sports are in full swing but there's only one place that has you covered one place that we trust and that place is betonline.ag BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, baseball is on the way in the near future and all kinds of additional angles to handicap, including awards, TV shows, and reality TV. In fact, there are dozens of real-time updated props on almost anything you can imagine, and BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds, including future bets, if you want to look way ahead. 
It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action and visit the website or use a mobile device to sign up today. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So I'll be candid and tell you the uh, chopping up of this podcast has it's been uh, over what is normally done. I normally record semi-live. You know, every once in a while I have to edit something or whatever happens. On this podcast, it's a bit of a mess. So, as I said before the break that you just heard, uh, I do have a couple of mailbag questions that I'll answer in a second. But Travis Schlenk uh, addressed the media at about 8 p.m. right as I was recording the podcast. So I had to kind of, <laughs> had to kind of pause things and go uh, go do that. Uh, and by the way, by this point in time, you probably see the full audio of that is available on this podcast feed. I will just say as some top line thoughts here, uh, Schlenk did you know have some interesting things to say. Nothing terribly revealing. He did come back to the fact that it was very difficult for him repeatedly uh, during that time. That's not a huge surprise, but he was consistent with that messaging, how it was uh, sort of a, a grueling day for all involved. Um, some highlights here. Uh, he, he, he declined to talk about the fact that Nate McMillan uh, is, is obviously the interim. He said that they'll, that they'll cross the bridge when they, when they get to it. That's the, that's a quote from Schleich that you'll hear on that uh, separate audio um, if they need to do that with regard to the interim tag. Um, but he did say that he has a ton of uh, confidence in Coach McMillan moving forward and also that his resume speaks for itself. Those were some quotes from Schleich. Also, he said, um, kind of getting ahead of this, I believe, that uh, the decision was made to uh, move on from Pierce by himself and the basketball operations staff. You will hear that. Um, Also, he said the decision transpired uh, earlier this morning was the quote, quote earlier earlier this morning, which does not necessarily align with uh, making a whole lot of sense. He was pushed a little bit about that by, I believe it was Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, and uh, no real uh, explanation there because, you know, earlier this morning and then letting Coach Pierce coach practice doesn't make a lot of sense, but alas... Um, he was asked about the fourth quarter issues playing any kind of part, and he kind of talked about how they want to take a more broad approach. He did acknowledge later on that obviously uh, the wins and losses are what matter, and they lost some games, so I'm sure it was somewhat of a factor, but he sort of downplayed that at times. Uh, he did say that they reached out to all of the players on the team between himself and the staff, and they plan to meet as a group on uh, on Tuesday, I should say. Um, and just kind of talked about needing a new voice. That was the quote, uh, report, I would say repeatedly that he went back to with regard to why they did this. And he said, you know, wanting a new voice and best position to move forward and all the, all the standard language that you would definitely hear. He did come back and say near the end that, uh, coach Pierce's reaction was quote, uh, as honorable, (laughs) sorry, he will hand it, he handled it as honorably and gracefully as you would imagine end quote. And he said that uh, the players were taken aback, which is interesting to point out. Uh, he was asked about that. Uh, actually, I think it might have been the last question actually that he that he answered on the uh, on the press conference. He said that uh, he did not expect he did not think the players expected to get that call, and that anyone expected to have that this afternoon. So, you know, you can hear all of that um, in his words on the separate podcast on this feed right now of just that uh, that full audio. But there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, with that said, we will uh, turn it over now to what I already recorded on uh, the mailbag, and then we'll get out of here with uh, some talk about the game on Tuesday in Miami. All right. So as I said, a couple of mailbag questions here that pertain to the rest of the season, and that was you know I got a lot of questions about like what happens now, what's going to change with Lloyd Pierce being gone at McMillan, you know, especially when he was the interim uh, for those couple of games with, with McMillan. You know, my take was basically that you can't change much. Uh, you obviously have more time now to change some things and I'm sure we'll see some tweaks and I will defer to people that are smarter than I am about like 
actual like NBA scheme stuff. I have some knowledge there, but uh, coaches and you know observers that are smarter than I am about that stuff about what actually is going to change in the future. I think we'll see some McMillan spin on the uh, on the team, and that's what should happen. He's now the head coach. Uh, but regardless. Uh, a couple of questions that I want to answer having to do with like the season and injuries and all that stuff. So first one comes from Caden who asks, did the Hawks just let the season evaporate in February or can they bounce back? So again, these questions were asked and answered by me in a lot of ways before the firing. So this is a pre Lloyd Pierce firing question, but I'll answer it anyway. The short answer is no, the season is not gone. And that was the case whether they had Pierce or not. Uh, I'll point out just how bad it was in February though. And this is, this is honestly you know, you could you could certainly argue why Pierce got fired at the time that he got fired, but going four and eleven in February is a reason. I'm not sure it's the biggest reason, but it's a reason to be sure that he's no longer the head coach of the Hawks. Um, only the Rockets and the Wolves had worse winning percentages in February, and defensively the Hawks were bad in February. They allowed about 119 points per possessions, which is uh, fourth worst in the league in that time. Some great shooting by opponents: 49, 38, and 83 splits for the month. The offense was actually, was actually pretty good. And that's something to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, when you have Trey Young, your offense is going to be good. Pretty much that's almost proven at this point. Even with Trey's playing with substandard competition, sorry, substandard supporting cast, he's able to make the Hawks pretty good on offense by himself almost. With that said, McMillan's rep is not as an offensive guru. That's kind of an interesting thing to follow in the future is that you know McMillan, uh, especially in his previous couple stops, including Indiana, he got praised for defense and kind of criticized for kind of having an old school offense that didn't necessarily innovate. So that'll be interesting to follow because uh, that was the criticism that I heard most probably from Hawks fans. Not, and this is not the only one about Pierce other than like rotations and whatever you also want to say about that. Um, schematically, I mean, was the fact that the Hawks were not, you know, uh, dynamic offensively at times. They ran a lot of pick and roll and uh, they were not necessarily like the most diverse. And I, that, I'm not sure how much, how much that is true anyway, but McMillan isn't going to somehow come in and be Mike, Mike D'Antoni offensively. Like this is going to be a team that's still not necessarily going to be uh, at the forefront of uh, innovation offensively, I don't think. And, listen, and honestly, you know, maybe Nate changes the stripes, but that's that's the rep going in to all of this. At any rate, to answer the question more directly, and look at the standings is instructive here. The Hawks were 10-9 and nine on the morning of February 1st. And they were in sixth in the Eastern Conference. That's one month ago today. Um, they woke up today at 14 and 20 and 11th in the East. So that's obviously a pretty significant dip. As I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, the gap between 11 and four is still pretty small. So that's important to consider here. That gives the Hawks some um, room to climb. There is a giant clump here. And 538, for instance, gives the Hawks about a 50-50 chance to make the playoffs. That might be a little bit high. But when you factor in the injuries and guys that should come back, it makes more sense. Um... Regardless, also the Hawks are tied for eighth easiest schedule the rest of the way, even when you account for the uh, hellacious eight-game road trip that is looming early in the second half of the season. So as for the injuries and all that stuff that plays a, far, a part into all of this stuff, as uh, as Caden asks, um, sort of a transition here that I'll, uh, I'll answer another question before we get out of here, and it has to do with the injuries. So Mark says, knowing what you know now, if you could wave the magic wand and give the Hawks a relatively healthy team the rest of the way, what would you expect the results to look like? Again, this is asked and answered by me before uh, Pierce was moved on from, but it's still relevant here because, that, again, a lot of the questions that I had was like, all right, what, what happens now? Um, so the big thing is that we just haven't seen this team at full strength. The Hawks, haven't, the Hawks have only had their core guys, if you combine the young guys and Capella, Bogdanovich, and Gallinari, 
And those are, you know, those are really the core guys. Um, you could, you could be, obviously there's a smaller inner circle core that centers on Trey and whoever else you want to include in it. But the guys who really, really matter for this team this season are the young guys and those three vets, Capella, um, Gallinari, and Bogdanovich. Those guys have played one game together this season and Gallinari got hurt in three minutes. <laughs> so we don't know. We, uh, the, the real answer is we do not know what this team looks like. Same thing in the opener, by the way. I know uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari played in the opener, but then Capella was out in that game. If people have kind of forgotten that, but Capella missed some time early, early on, on the season. So I'm guilty of this too. It is important to note, though, that you can't expect everyone to be fully healthy for large periods of time. There's always some injury stuff. The Hawks have still been more unlucky than you would expect to this point in the season. Um, at last check, they were like a top three or four team in the league in terms of how many games they've missed due to injury this year, and also like pretty high leverage in terms of the way those are lost because most of their games lost have been to really, really good players. Um, obviously, Hunter and Magdanovich, Reddish has missed some time, uh, like Gallinari missed some time, Chris Dunn is a projected rotation guy who's missed the entire season, so they haven't had like end of the bench injuries. These are guys who are supposed to be real contributors this year, including their two best wings now for uh, a month, basically. So that's the thing about this is the, the cluster injuries makes it makes it makes it worse. So basically, the entire month of February they were without Hunter Bogdanovich. They are ten and fifteen since Bogdanovich went went down, and really ten and sixteen because he got hurt early in the first half of that game and they lost that one. Um, so throw that in, throw in Reddish missing the last four games, and suddenly your wing rotation is a lot worse than it was supposed to be. Um, it's convenient in terms of record keeping, but again, Hunter got Hunter got hurt in the last game of January. So the question about the Hawks in February. And their downturn is essentially just when Hunter has been out. They were four; they're four and eleven now in the last fifteen games, all without Hunter, and uh, he's a big part of that. So I will say he's crucial, about on both ends of the floor. So you can't just hand wave that. So uh, th- there is one small sample size caveat that I'll give. Actually, a couple of these that I will give you. Um, one of which is that I'm not sure the Hawks are actually going to be this good in a vacuum, but the Hawks are plus five point three net rating when Hunter plays this year. That is obviously quite impressive. Um, also, the Hawks are plus 6.9 when Trey Young, John Collins, and Clint Capella play together this year. And that's with or without Hunter. And that, of course, that includes some time with Hunter. But that trio, which I know Andrew Kelly has argued is their, is their core three right now. I'm not sure I agree with that, but it's one of those things where it's it's close. Um, at least right now, those are the three best players that have been available in the last month, essentially. Um, those three guys are on the court. The Hawks are good. And it's been everything else that they have kind of flailed on in recent days. So I will say, honestly, to answer the question, with relatively good health, not perfect health, but relatively good health, I wouldn't change much for my preseason projection. And obviously, I picked the Hawks to be slightly over 500 preseason. Um, I would stand by that now in terms of the rest of the way. Um, so there's a little bit of positivity in the fact that um, Hunter, for instance, is much better than I think anyone projected him to be right now. At least, at least the guy that we saw early in the season is ahead of schedule. Uh, he was awesome, honestly. And then I think Capella as well has been a little bit better than most expected them to be. So th- those are the two positives versus my preseason expectations. Then you have the negatives. Um, I think Gallinari is very clearly worse than expected. I still believe, by the way, that I I, I believe in Gallinari as a solid contributing player. I think I've been hard on him because he's been bad. But, you know, he's not a guy that I, I would give up on in terms of, like, being a positive player at some point. He has a track record for a long, long time of being good. Um, defensively, it might just be over at this point. But you were really signing him for his offense anyway. And I still believe. But right now, I think you could be safe and say he is probably going to be a little bit worse than expected, um, given where he looks physically right now. 
And I think Rondo has been worse than expected. Even with my relative pessimism there on the Rondo contract, he has been bad. Uh, and then also I will throw Reddish in there as well. I think he's a little bit worse right now than we expected him to be. I'll put myself in that category as well, given the way he was playing offensively before he got injured. But even then, his is more of a slight thing, and I think long-term he'll be just fine. I think Cam's going to be good, uh, but just for the season alone. So throw that all into the wash, and I think my preseason projection would be what I kind of lean on. And I would go with, you know, if the season started today and you could, and you could assume relative health, they'd be 500 or better. And right now they're 14 and 20. So what does that mean? You know, I think projection-wise, like from this point forward, they have 38 games. I think if you told me like they are they are immediately pretty healthy, not all the way, but pretty healthy the rest of the way, I would probably go like 20 and 18, 21 and 17, something like that, which would definitely be enough to get to the play-in, if not higher. And you know, you still bank losses. You're still 14 and 20. That matters. But the injuries have been so brutal. I do believe that this team is pretty good when it's fully healthy, even if we haven't seen it all the way. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say in terms of the question about like what, what this team would look like. And you're hoping, if you're McMillan and company, that it's going to look like that again. So as I alluded to before, obviously earlier in the podcast, Tuesday's game might be a little bit of a glimpse of that. We don't know yet. At this point in time, Bogdanovich is listed as questionable. That's an upgrade. Of course, he's not played in almost two months, but uh, he's closer if nothing else, as we sort of alluded to earlier. Um, Kevin Herter's listed as probable, by the way, with the upper back tightness in the game. But uh, no Hunter, no Reddish again, uh, no Chris Dunn, but still better injury-wise. And uh, worth pointing out that Miami could be without Butler again. Jimmy Butler missed the game on Sunday. He's listed as questionable with a right knee inflammation, same thing he missed the game for. So uh, keep an eye on that as well. No line at this point in time. The Hawks will be underdogs in that game. We will see how they how they respond to this. And again, it's a back-to-back. They play in Miami and then in Orlando on Wednesday before the All-Star break. And uh, a lot of interesting takeaways. And we'll spend some more time talking about you know broad stroke stuff in the near future, maybe some draft stuff over the, over the All-Star break, etc. So one more time, I will just plug that I do have that uh, that standalone audio of the entire Travis Slank press conference, about a half hour plus of that on this feed already. And if you're listening to this, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends. Uh, follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Rate, review. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next time.